Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm Sarah Watt. And I'm William Chan. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. This month, we are discussing... Tetris, which came out on Netflix, was it? Uh, Apple TV Plus. Apple TV Plus this year. And Argo, which came out in cinemas. Remember those? Oh, uh, yes. In 2012. <laughs> the connection being they are both uh, sort of cross-continent political thrillers with a pop-cultural focus at the centre. Mm. Based on real events. Yeah. Oh, nice. I love that. Uh, please be warned, both films will be spoiled. So if you haven't seen either of them, then <clears throat> please pause this episode and come back at a future date. All right, Sarah, give us a bit of an introduction to Argo. Argo, 2012. <clears throat> the spoiler, one of the spoilers is it actually won the Oscar for Best Picture. <sighs> and it's directed by Ben Affleck, who some of you will know as an actor and others might know only as Mr. Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> However, The, the Argo, Ben part of Jennifer. That's yeah. right. Argo is, uh, well, basically, Argo was one of those brilliant, we couldn't tell you this at the time, true stories, which was released from uh, one of the no doubt hundreds of secret CIA files hidden away in a dusty basement in Langley, Virginia. So it tells the story of a plot in 1980. Um, those of us who are around at the time or old enough to remember or have studied history will know that the United States Embassy in Tehran in Iran was hijacked by Iranian protesters and hostages were holed up for many months. Now, six Americans escaped, but they had to go into hiding elsewhere in the city of Tehran. So the CIA um, and the, the CIA agent in charge here was, is played by Ben Affleck. They devise a way to bust these uh, Americans out of Iran by creating an unlikely false cover story. They engaged real film producers, made up a sci-fi movie called Argo, and then told the Iranian authorities that they needed access to scout for locations with their crew and then get their crew out of Tehran. But how did it go? We'll see. <laughs> nice. And William, give us an introduction to 2023's Tetris. <clears throat> so Tetris, the movie, is an adaptation of sorts of the real true story behind the Tetris video game. A game some would, or many would claim to be the greatest game of all time. Mm. About its origins in the Soviet Union, um, as well as how the rights to Tetris were brought out across the Iron Curtain to the, the West at large, and specifically to a little-known company called Nintendo. Uh, Tetris, uh, the, the main characters being uh, Alexei Pajitnov, the creator of Tetris, Russian, and Hank Rogers, a Dutch-Indonesian uh, businessman who was one of the driving forces in getting Tetris, again, out of the USSR. Um, their unlikely friendship and the political strife that surrounds the whole project is what drives this film. And um, yeah, it's, it is all about kind of this end of the decade, this fall of the Soviet Union, this, th these big political upheavals backgrounded against something about video games. Mm. Nice. I mean, straight off the bat, I'm thinking in Argo, you've got the Canada, USA and Iran kind of, Peace. Yep. And then in this film, in Tetris, you've got the British, 
Japan, mm-hmm. USA, USSR yeah. kind of tension as well. They're, mm. they're really well paired. And I just wanted to shout out to you, William, because you suggested these movies. And I guess when you when you hear about Tetris, and I hadn't, I don't even know if I'd seen the trailer. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing about a movie being made of Tetris. And I was like, oh, what's next? Not Monopoly, the <laughs> oh, movie? Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys remember Battleship? Yeah. yeah. I called it Battleship. And it it won the place of worst film of the year for me. Wow. It's a movie where Liam Neeson says, You're not going to sing this battleship. Oh, gosh. (laughs) He had a special set of skills that he could employ. It was like B4 to B8 or whatever it was. Um, But yeah, no, really, really well paired films. And I guess that's the strength of both of these movies is that they show really complicated political um tensions yeah, in yeah. quite simple ways i think simplified in some ways that are particularly in argo's case like because mm. we could talk about yeah. the depiction of the uh, iranians but um, and in tetris's case as well like the, <laughs> the depiction of the kgb yeah, yeah mm. true the depiction of everybody in yeah. tetris i mean are we ready yeah let's <laughs> jump in. Let's are go. we ready, are we ready for ready? this i would agree that tetris is one of the greatest games of all time and that's mm. coming from me as a not really a gamer um and actually, if I may say, this film made me go, oh, I can't wait to get back into mm. an arcade. You know, I would only play it in an arcade. I don't have any old Game Boys sitting around or anything like that. But I was like, oh, yeah, that was cool, man. I'd go back and play that. But I felt as though the film was, um, uh, well, how did I put it here? Um, great game, really unsophisticated film, I think <laughs> is what I wrote on my notes. Because nice the film quote. itself just seems like everyone's playing a caricature. Mm. And even Roger Allen, who plays um, Robert Maxwell, mm. the, the evil, and he was, he was an yeah. evil, you know, tycoon. Uh, and his horrible son. Everybody oh. just seems to be a little bit kind of larger than life kind of caricature of whatever. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think 100%. Mm. Uh, Tetris is... The thing about Tetris the movie is that it takes a fascinating true story and turns it into a cartoon. Yeah. Right? And it's strange because um, there's a book about it. It's called The Tetris Effect by Dan Ackerman. I would highly recommend it. It basically covers the events of the film, but, you know, um, a lot of it is about, like, the creation of Tetris, how Pajitnov actually came up with the idea, him and his fellow programmers at ELOG, the Soviet, you know, um, computer science organization, mm-hmm. like, porting it to PC and balancing that and then the other side, the business side of things with Hank Rogers and his dealings with the Japanese, the British, and the Soviets and kind of having it coalesce. And it's it's a fascinating tale. And, again, the book is highly recommended. This is definitely not the book. I I was reading the book and I guess I don't remember there being car chases. Oh, that's the part or... that, that was the Jungle Shark <laughs> moment for me. You know, I was I was enjoying the film. I mean, I agree with what you're both saying, but I was enjoying it. I thought, oh, this is this is a good retelling or telling yeah. of this story that I don't know. Mm. It was the car chase at the end that I was like, all right, we're, <laughs> we're there now. Okay. It wasn't earned and it did seem like it, even with everything so far, mm-hmm. I do still think it was a bit of a jump and a bit of a shift in, in the tone of the film. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about the book, it makes me want to read it. It reminds me of the Creativity Inc. Mm, Pixar yeah. story and how that's just a fascinating read and I'd love mm-hmm. to go and read the details of, of this game because um, I love Tetris. Mm. I've got back into Tetris with Tetris 99. Tetris 99, which is an online version. There's 99 players, and Mm. and you're trying to eliminate the other players. It's Mm -hmm. it's last person surviving. It's Mm -hmm, super fun. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's interesting to think, you know, you're saying you played it on a... 
I want to say console, but it's not what I mean. No, an, arcade. an arcade game. And to think that... Does that age me or do they still have them? No, no they still, they're still I around. I mean, it probably yeah. both can be true. <laughs> I don't think Tetris is... Some of them might have Tetris. But a lot of people play Tetris on their phones nowadays, I think. It's, right. it's a really big deal. Yeah. But to think that I've got a phone. <laughs> if I was playing it on and on a computer, William was playing it on a Game Boy, and you're playing it on a, in the arcade. That's right. Our money would be going to different places. That's it's quite right. an interesting. And also, idea. it shows somewhat how timeless timeless it is, right? Yeah. Because I drifted into Wikipedia. Have you heard of Wikipedia? It's oh. quite. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. You click on a link, and then you click on another link, right. and you click. It's like a game. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and so and and I'm sure you already know this, but this was all news to me that um, there are cognitive. Uh, there's been research done that show cognitive um, benefits to playing Tetris um, and that, you know, they did some, they've done a whole bunch of research with young people playing it for 30 minutes a day and it really increases everybody's problem solving and da-di-da-di-da. Right. Um, And I'm interested in that as an educator, as as no doubt you would be, because currently in my work, I'm looking for what we call interventions to engage young people's brains to grow in different ways that aren't just reading mm. uh, text and whatnot, yeah? So suddenly I'm reading Wikipedia and I'm like, oh, shoot, I should get them Tetris. They'll play it and it's for fun, but actually secretly, sneakily, it's improving their problem-solving skills and their um, re- response times or mm. what's that called? You know, like, you know, yeah. and all that. And how amazing that something's educational as well. I mean, yeah, that's the literal Tetris effect. Right? Mm. They... They kind of um, mm. briefly shown in the movie at the beginning where you, he sees the falling blocks mm. around him. Um, but yeah, the fascinating thing, as you say, Sarah, is the, the cognitive psychology of this video game mm. has been like completely widespread and it's so ubiquitous as well. And mm. everyone knows what what a Tetris is, the mm. different shapes, and it's, it's incredible. Yes. Yeah. And do you know what it makes me realize? Back in the olden days, we didn't talk about dopamine, right? But now all we do is talk about dopamine because all we're doing is getting dopamine hits. <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously. Yeah, true. It's, it's and if you funny. think about it, every time the blocks fall and it goes and you lose a line, that's a dopamine hit. So you can feel the addictive properties of that satisfaction of of and and look, I'm talking to two gamers. I feel like a bit of a dafty. I mean, I, 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 I bet, Sarah knows this game. Yeah. That's the that's the win of this episode. Well, that's right. Which is why <laughs> listeners, readers, watchers, I wasn't on the freaking St- Mario Brothers podcast. <laughs> Jeez, I got a month you off from out. that. Oh my god, <laughs> that was a good time, Sarah. If you'd done time. Donkey Kong, I would have been. Oh, all well, he was in the film. He's no, in the film. Don't He's care. a main character. I'm not watching that stuff. But anyway, but no, but. You know what I mean, though. I can understand why Tetris is like mm. ding, and you're like, yeah, and I'm going to keep mm. going and keep going, and that's why that addictive thing. I appreciate that gaming is addictive, and that is dopamine. <laughs> but I'm just saying, we're talking old school, yeah. right? We're talking blocks falling. I love not lots. shooting people to death and stuff. <laughs> I love lots of elements of this film beyond the filmmaking. I think learning that Tetris is both from Tetra and tennis. Mm. And as the son of a marketing, graphic design, advertising mm, person, mm, mm. you know, my dad always taught me that the best company names combine two words to make a new word one of the words describes the product and one of the words describes the benefit do you mean so, like mirror soft <laughs> not quite <laughs> what are you going to do with that no no like Kleenex is a good example oh, you know, yeah. it cleans you in an express way and it makes a new word hmm. or Tetris is like from four and it's tennis hmm. or band-aid you know it's literally a band and it helps you hmm. and, and the great thing about in this new age which was not thought about back in the day with Tetris is that those words are easily found on Google because nobody else is going to come up when you type in 
Tetris. If you came up with Tetris for the first mm. time. Search mm. engine optimization. Exactly. Without them even knowing yeah. that Google was going to be a thing. Yeah. So it's, you know, really timeless. You're right. Yeah, it but, is timeless. Uh, but those sort of details, and I'm like, I never knew. Uh, of course, I knew that the blocks were all made out of four, but I just never really put that together. Mm. And I think the simplicity, and they talk about it in the film, the simplicity of the game of Tetris uh, and and how addictive it is and all the things we're talking about is really the gold. I'm just surprised that they saw the gold in that game yeah. so quickly and, and so um, confidently. And the fact that, you know, you say little known company. Well, Nintendo wasn't little known. It was <laughs> the, the, the biggest. The big boys, yeah. Like 93% of market share. They would No one would ever have that again. Mm. Um, and yet they confidently backed yeah. This game that had... Re- I'm surprised they even stayed with it with the amount of and complications. I, I mean, reading a little behind it, like, it is a true story that Hank Rogers um, ad- advised and then sort of, you know, finagled his way into Nintendo and said that we think, or I think, that the Game Boy, the, this piece of technology that would change gaming forever, should mm. be bundled with Tetris and not Super Mario Brothers, mm. which is, I, I guess, a decision that would have, you know... Just repercussions, mm. historical mm. repercussions mm. down the line. Mm. 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 I never knew that until probably you told me recently, mm. William. But because in, in my mind, I always think of Tetris as that rip-off brick game that you'd buy for ten dollars <laughs> from from the warehouse, you know. Yeah. And and to think that it, you know, I, Game Boy for some reason just skipped my yeah, upbringing. Maybe I didn't have older siblings, or I don't know. But I just didn't. Game Boy wasn't really around until Pokemon came out in the sort of mid nineties. But um, yeah, just amazing that that this game started out in this way. Yeah. I never had a Game Boy. What we had, because I was born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s, and what we had were little, and you'll know the correct words for what I'm demonstrating here, those little um, games that it was just the game. So Donkey Kong Jr. Game & Watch. Game & Watch. Yeah. So I remember it, those. Donkey My Kong Jr., Parachute. Mm. If you yeah. wanted to play Parachute, you yeah. pick up your Parachute game, you cool. play that little one. Yeah, and they're all like, they're all like um, cellophane... <laughs> kind of sheets or something with the they all were pre-printed with all of the movements on them mm-hmm. weren't they so little black oh there was all pre-printed into the game yeah yeah um i love love that william's nodding to me like yes you're correct and, <laughs> and i was like, like oh wow i didn't realize because <laughs> that's all that's all that technology yeah. was you yeah. know but it certainly wasn't you pop a card in and you get you play mm. a different game there was none of that business and to get to the bottom screen was really hard wasn't it like you had the top screen and the bottom screen? Am I remembering the screen? Yeah, like Donkey Kong Jr. Some, oh, you're some game about watches the fold-up orange fold one. Up, yeah. Oh. yeah, no, this... And so Donkey Kong... So there was Donkey Kong, which was the orange fold-up mm-hmm. fold one. Yeah. Like a phone. Uh, and then Donkey Kong Jr. is a lovely green colour. Shiny. Oh, mm. just so beautiful. <laughs> and he just runs and he leaps and he hangs on a thing and then whatever. I can't mm. remember the rest. But it was really fun and addictive and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And um, yeah, that's all I had. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, Sarah, you bring up Mirosoft and uh, and Roger Allen. Man, that guy, I mean, he's a thespian, but he's just made a career of playing, like, scumbags, right? Yeah. Um, I think of his role in V for Vendetta, mm. his role in... He was the main baddie in Speed Racer. Do you guys remember that with the Wachowskis? No. Um, where he basically plays a fictionalized version of what he's doing here as Robert mm. Maxwell. Mm. And he's like, I'm a capitalist and I have money to throw but around. But his voice amazing? Like, yeah. he really does. As you say, he's a thespian. He treads <laughs> the boards. And But his um his voice in this was really Did the glorious. Maxwell actually sound like that? I, Probably. I, I've never seen footage of him. Probably. <laughs> so, um, but the son was a ridiculously just rude caricature. Look, I didn't love this film. Let's just say it. Mm-hmm. Toby Jones, who is wonderful, mm. 
I mean, I thought that the script was annoying because <laughs> it just kept going. But now let's talk about those um, handheld rights. <laughs> I think we should talk again about those handheld rights. You know, blah, blah. But Toby Jones, who plays the little Russian dude, is if that's Toby Jones really not doing his best work because he doesn't, it's not his best script. Robert Stein. I, I yeah. think he's uh, Oh, you're right, German. German I'm sorry. Yeah, that's German, right, exactly yeah. right. But you know, it's all yeah. so... Uh, yeah. It's well, like he's a character. The, he's a cartoon. Yeah, like, they're, yeah. they're all cartoons. Even even our leads, like Hank Rogers and Alexei Pajitnov, yeah. who were exec producers on this film, yeah. uh, are portrayed as cartoons. And I, I think what's what's interesting about this movie was, again, I love the book, so mm. seeing the trailer was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Where there's a car chase in it, and there's action, and there's mm. falling blocks, like... The video game aesthetic overlaid on top, which That's is right. pretty cool. I, well, I, and I it's the, chap, the chapter breaks. Yeah, you know, yeah. Level up. Yeah, level, and it will go, falls. Russia, and there's the three people. And it's a cute it, thing it's super to cute. do. Yeah. But I do think compared with Argo, which maintains a seriousness throughout, because we're going to have to talk about Argo at some point. Um, do you know what I mean? But I, here's the thing with Argo, how it starts with the uh, storyboards and the comic book art. Yeah. I, I, my memory was playing tricks on me. I was like, are they going to do that? Is, is storyboarding going to be like a visual motif? <clears throat> but it wasn't. No. And I, I kind of wish it was. I don't know. It was like, oh, this is a really cool way to talk about like the, the histor- historical context of the movie. But maybe they thought yeah. it would have lightened it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember Argo feeling kind of serious. And, and I mean, I know that a lot of people don't like it or they don't like Ben Affleck or they don't. I thought it was very well done. Mm. I thought it was a bit of a scandal that he wasn't nominated for at the Academy, the Directing Academy Award, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it was a serious movie. And despite the fact that Scoot McNary's wearing <laughs> massive glasses, actually cast to look exactly like yeah. his real life character. Mm. And everyone's got the 1970s oh. um, or 80s. 70s. I just said it. What was it? 1980. 1980s, early 80s. Garb on them. Um, It didn't, it felt very of its period. It didn't feel like, I'm Taron Edgerton and I'm putting a moustache on. (laughs) Well, and it's interesting that he was cast in this role as well. Taron Edgerton. Because, like you said, he's Indonesian Dutch, right? And I I just think, have you seen what the guy looks like? Does he he look Indonesian? No, he's a very, very dark skinned, uh, European looking surfer dude. He looks right. nothing like Taron Egerton. Right. Yeah. But, but then on the flip side, have you seen what Tony Mendes looked like? Like no. Ben Affleck's character? Yes. Oh, he he's is. Mexican. Oh, yes. right. Maybe he's, maybe he, he's who I'm he thinking of. He looks nothing like Ben Affleck. And yeah. it's, right. it's fascinating you bring up Scoot McNary. Like, everyone in Argo is cast to look as close to their historical counterparts as possible. And they even have the side-by-side comparisons That's right. at the end. Which is entirely unnecessary, apart, because who cares? Well, apart from Ben Affleck. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That doesn't matter. I mean, nobody knows. It's not like it's, <laughs> it's Michael like... Jordan looking like Michael Jordan. <laughs> well, well, no, I, I, I mean? think it's like, this is historical verisimilitude. You yes, know, that but kind of thing. Do you know thing. what I mean? They're not, re- they're not, I was going to say, they're not real people. <laughs> God bless them, they are. They were real people. But do you know what I mean? They weren't famous people. It but, didn't matter. Well, that... apart from Tony Mendes. Right. Who Ben Affleck doesn't look like. Is not Tony. Tony Mendes was relatively short. You know, yeah. he was, he's a Mexican dude. He, yeah. he, he looks like someone who's not. A Bostonian, like, yeah. Ben Affleck type. Sure, you know? sure, sure. Um, and it was fascinating that Ben Affleck was the only guy who didn't have the this is who they are and this yeah. is who the actors photo at the well, end. Maybe that's director's rights. <laughs> uh, I, I think probably more studio studios would call for a big name to be in the film. Oh, right? yeah. And so if yes. Ben Affleck's... Maybe Ben Affleck wanted to cast somebody else in that role, and they mm-hmm. said, "No, we're not making this movie unless you have a big star." He says, "Well, I'm a big star. What if I'm in it?" You know, I could see that happening because he's not been the lead in a couple of his movies, and right. I think 
I, I do take my hat off to Ben Affleck for this film. I do agree in rewatch that he that it was the right choice for him not to get the best director sure. nomination. Okay. I do think that there there are some flourishes in this movie that date it to mm. two thousand and what is it thirteen when it came twelve. 12. Um, but I I really enjoyed rewatching it. I really yeah. enjoyed. I love Claire Duval for one. Thing. Oh yeah, she's yeah, only got yeah. a small part in it, mm-hmm. but she's just a joy to watch. She, her eyes, like her acting with with her eyes, is amazing. Have, have you seen? She's Be- um the one. She's one of the hostages. Yeah, yeah. She's the one with the more kind of Farrah Fawcett hair. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So have you seen mm-hmm. Veep? She's great no. in Veep. Mm. Um, she was in Carnival. She's in, back in the nineties. She did lots of teen stuff. But um, I enjoyed I, rewatching Alan Arkin. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot he was in like. I forgot you said before we started recording. Like oh my gosh. John Goodman, the, Alan the, the, Arkin, the Brian Krantz. Well, when they walk Philip, into the C, oh. uh, Philip Baker Hall. Oh yeah. Well, mm-hmm. when they walk into the CIA conference room, it's like, I guess these are all the character actors ever in one room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there was Titus Welliver was, was like he, Bosch himself was was giving giving the talk again. Cranston, um, I, I can never pronounce his name, but uh, is it Zalchko Ivanek? I don't know. I don't He's bother the, saying his name. I just go that guy. The Canadian guy from Bruges, um, <laughs> right? Richard Kind is in this. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, whoa, it's Richard Kind. Yeah. Um, and it, it, again, Alan Arkman, John, John, uh, Alan Arkin, Arkin, John Goodman, Scoot McNary. Like, l- l- the, the, the skies were dark for all the character actors were in this film. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. it's probably just drawn from Ben Affleck's connections with them. Mm-hmm. He's probably done films with a lot of them. And it was a 2012 thing. You know, mm-hmm. Scoot McNary made it really big in Monsters. Yeah. And then he was in, um, who's my mate? Not Dave. Oh, it might have been David Michaud, uh, the Australian director of Animal Kingdom. We're not here to talk about Animal Kingdom. I love Animal Kingdom. I wish Kingdom. that we were. Oh, we could totally pair that Oh, film. my God. Mm-hmm. Let's find something. That was one of my favorite films of the year. I haven't gone back and watched it. Was, it was. Absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, so David Michaud then followed that up with The Road. What am I thinking of? No, I'm thinking of Killing Them Softly by Dave mm. Andrew Dominic, another Australian New Zealand director. So Scoot was around for a while. Yeah. Oh, I just have a quick Scoot story. Pretty sure it was Scoot. So, oh my God. So what's that film? This is a spoiler for the Liam Neeson film where he's on the plane, Unsomething. And, um, Michael Collins. No! <laughs> where he's on the plane and he's the air marshal. Right, and, right. And, um, and, and spoilers, Scoot McNary is one of well, the Well, here's the thing. Do you know, this is the thing, right? Scoot McNary wasn't really much of a face in those days, uh-huh. but I knew that he was. So when he came on and he was just in the background, I was like, why is Scoot McNary in this plane? And I was like, oh, I wonder if he's the baddie. And then it turns out that he is. Yeah. Sorry about it, guys. But, um, <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's one of those things when... Uh-huh. You know, when you're like, hang on a second. Yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's also pretty pretty funny how later on in um, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, yeah. Scoot Maneri plays Ben Affleck's, like, employee. Oh! Um, oh, that's so cute. he's he he works for Wayne Tech and they have heaps of scenes together. See like, Wayne oh. Tech. That tells you too. <laughs> no jokes. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but, but yeah, with uh, as as what you guys were saying, well, both points, right? Like Tetris is a cartoon and mm. Argo is super entertaining. I found myself in both cases wanting to dislike the movies, but by the end of them, you, you just can't, right? I, I think Tetris... Uh, I, I could. I, it's, it's, not, it's not a, not a great movie, but it's a really entertaining movie, well, right? It's, yeah. I, I think it... It moves along at, at a yes, clip. It does. People are always like wow, jibber jabbering, and like yeah. the dialogue's pretty quick. Uh, again, the, the stuff you say about the rights. Uh, again, maybe this is just like the nerd in me talking. 
But I found that stuff so much more interesting than anything sure. else, right? Because that, that is the core of the book as well, right? Yeah. It is, it is people who are optioning rights to something that they don't have the money or the rights for, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it's a whole bunch of people throwing their weight behind invisible capital. And that's like the main tension of the story, not the KGB stuff, not anything no. else. Um, I go, I don't know about you guys, but did you guys find it really problematic? Like, uh, incredibly problematic. In this rewatch, I did. And I think that's part of not just the director's flourishes, but some of those choices that I was like, oh, this is interesting. Can I say, first of all, I agree with you about Tetris. And I watched it on a Monday night after school. You know, my energy levels are low and the ability to fall asleep whilst watching a film is high. high. (laughs) Uh, And it kept me incredibly engaged. And I didn't mind the more schlocky B-film kind of car chases and things oh my gosh that, that scene where the the evil kgb uh, operative gets um Pajitnov's kids yeah and he's like whoa this chair falls will a little child fall wow <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> I, oh Melchik. my god yeah i've been learning a bit of russian so when he said melchik i was like oh yes boy <laughs> child mm, um, yeah. yeah i do think that some of the problematic things in argo like i read that they added that uh sort of storyboarded prologue at the start where they explain why this rebellion is happening yeah yeah to to kind of give clear motivation behind the protesting iranians yeah and uh, you know, not to justify the violence, but to show that, you know, just some of the few films that we, we were kind of, at least there's some acknowledgement of the, of America's meddling in these spaces. Yeah, yeah. I think the, um, the so treatment... That was, sorry, but what you're saying, therefore, if they added that at the beginning, it's a good mitigation, right? Because instead of us coming in and going, look at these protesting Middle Easterners, well, here's the this thing. is terrible. It's a band-aid, right? It, it, it starts off like that, but then it has its cake and eats it. Exactly. Right. I agree with and that. And I think it portrays Iranians very unflatteringly throughout the entire thing. And two-dimensionally. They're just, um, the men are bearded, the women have headscarves, they're all angry, they're all shouting, they're yeah. very, very foreign, they're very, very other, and it's all about our, you know, American heroes trying to excrete themselves from this, this, this help. Save, save them yeah. from and this yeah evil, dangerous place. And there's that yeah. comment at the end where Brian Cranston and his, his, his sort of cronies are smoking cigars and, mm-hmm. you know, oh, we, CIA are going to be in the headlines. They're like, nope, we need to let people think the Canadians mm-hmm. did it. But the, um, Jimmy Carter even said, uh, you know, beyond when the film came out, so he'd been beyond retired as the, as the president. He said it was the Canadians that fully led that it was that um ambassador Ken, Ken on, Taylor, the, on the ground yeah. he was the one that came up with well, it he also had comments after the movie as well Ken Taylor himself right, right. what did yeah. he say uh that again there were uh, artistic liberties yeah 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 <laughs> but can i just say and i'm not being a defender i'm simply mm. positing this argo isn't just it's not a heist movie it's not just um a an extraction movie it is a movie about pretending that you're making a movie and that's what's kind of fun and that's in a way that whole Hollywood trope of, oh, let's give it the Oscar because it's yeah, a Hollywood yeah, movie. Yeah. And, yeah. About themselves. and if you think about it, it's a neat conceit yeah. to go, Ooh, I don't good, know, good how phrase. are we going to get them out? We call that rhyme in terms of language features, <laughs> yeah. Jeremy. Or assonance, could be a bit of assonance. It could be assonance as well. Yeah, neat see. conceit because neat conceit. how cool to go, okay, we're going to have to, I mean, it was the machinations in the background were really interesting for me in the yeah. way that you're interested or obsessed some might say with handheld rights there <laughs> William um, you know for me to go oh well we need to have a real script it needs to be one that's been optioned but nobody wants it we need to then m- uh, make a do a, um, a table read and 
create a whole real story around its existence in order to sell it, get it in variety and blah, blah, blah. I was like, this is fascinating. Yeah. It isn't just somebody turning up at the border in Tehran and going, oh, I'm a film director, I want to make a movie, because that story would fall apart. So how brilliant, you know. Um, and then, of course, you've got the artistic liberties with things like, oh, John Goodman and Alan Arkin <laughs> are walking around the set and they get stuck. And they can't cross, and the phone's ringing, oh, 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 and the phone's ringing. Again, what is fascinating about both Tetris and Argo, and I don't know if Tetris was influenced by Argo in any way, but they both end with, like, the, the most ridiculous chase. It's like, yeah, a bunch of guys in a, a, a jeep with AK-47s chasing oh, after Swiss Oh, but that was so exciting <laughs> Yeah, but that Argo. plane would have absolutely stopped. Yeah. yeah. Like, that plane would have stopped. No, they're That's Switzerland. So I, like, nah, I, I thought they were going to shoot go. the tyres. Yeah, that in Argo, though, was fascinating every time. I thought that was really poorly handled in Tetris. And they did the old kind of, you know, Science of the Lambs kind of, oh, they went to the wrong door kind yeah, of thing, you know. Yeah, that's right. But also, nobody boards a plane and gets seated and gets gone as quickly as it did in Tetris. And I know it's not a realistic I, film, but I was just like, I, I, oh, I love that. Um, so, so Ben Miles, who I, I've recently seen, he's awesome as a banker in Andor. Mm. But he plays Harold Lincoln, the then, you know, president of Nintendo of America. And he is so good in yeah. Tetris. He's so he's, good in he's it. Great. He's a British actor. I've mm. seen him on stage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, I just love to think that. You know, this guy's still kicking, he's still around, but mm. in the 80s, he was involved in the car chase with the KGB. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, can we just talk about, so Argo won Best Picture, we keep mentioning it, yeah. I've just gone back and looked to see what films were nominated. It, it wasn't, like, in some ways it was a great year for some of the movies that were represented, but in terms of any films that were sort of up against mm. Argo, you can see why it won. Because you've got, I mean, there's some films in there like Amor, uh, Beast of the Southern Wild, Ooh, but they didn't nice. have some of the some kind of attention as some of these other big mm. films. You've got Zero Dark Thirty and Silver Linings Playbook in there. Mm. Les Miserables. Um, I mean, that's, gross. Yeah. I liked it, but not to the win Best worst. Picture. No, oh, I liked it. Oh my god. Okay. I, I feel hot and cold about it. I've got okay. big criticisms and big um, praises of that film. Lincoln, which I found, I actually turned off. I, I thought just, it was so boring. I, I gave it two stars. I turned it off after half an hour. Well, I, I like, couldn't turn oh. it off. You guys don't like monologues? Oh, um, oh my God. About and American I like Daniel, politics? Dan, Dan, Daniel Day-Lewis was great, and he yeah. won Best Picture that year. But I'm telling stories. Oh, yeah, sorry. He yeah. won Best Actor. Yeah. And then you've got Django Unchained, which I think is when Tarantino's, well, that's when Sally Menke, his yeah. well-known... Um, Editor. editor had she gone by that point that was the first film he did without it and I think that's when it starts to mm -hmm. show his films become more Lovely. languid I think if yeah. Inglorious was in here I would have been like give it to Inglorious and then of course Life of Pi which Ang Lee won okay. the best director but I still don't think that was best picture no. either so it, Argo is the best option there but it's still not the greatest option right. well in a way isn't it it's film. got that it's got that war in inverted commas it's got that battle kind of excitement plus the hollywood thing mm -hmm. whereas zero dark 30 was purely a torture movie mm. um i mean it's not in the way that saw is a torture movie mm. i don't mean that but do you know what i mean it's a military movie yeah so can we just appreciate and i know sarah you do appreciate uh, and you as well really but particularly sarah some of the wonderful jokes that Amy Poehler and Tina Fey came up with this this season. So with Zero Dark Thirty, it's something like, you know, from Catherine Bigelow. And I trust the woman who was, you know, it was about torture. I trust the woman who was married to James Cameron for three years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And then Argo was, uh, you know, Ben Affleck, you know, he's from Boston. And he, he wanted to set his next film where people were more friendlier to foreigners. <laughs> oh, you know? I didn't know. I forgot that. So that's some so great, funny. great digs and jokes. If you yeah. go back, listeners, and watch the monologue, they do a much better job, job than me butchering those mm -hmm. jokes. 
Well, but, yeah. I think with with how Argo presents itself, and maybe it's it's the 2012 context or or, or the new you know retrospective. I think given all of that stuff and given some of the unpleasant implications of that stuff as well, I'm not going to lie, I still really enjoyed the movie at the yeah. end. Like, I think there's a driving force behind it that yeah. is that is really, really evident. Um, I mean, Sarah, you bring up the, the fact that so much of it is that, that Hollywood story as well. And, you know, I'm pretty sure this didn't happen in real life, but when Scoot McNary at the end um, is with the Revolutionary Guard and he's showing the storyboards... And telling them the story. The story, and it's like, oh, he himself has been moved by the art. Yeah. And he's using art as a way of communicating across cultures, and it's super cheesy. But I I've genuinely I felt moved. It, it was and, like, and, and the story that he's telling movies them... Movies mean things. He's, so he's speaking to them in... He's speaking in Farsi, mm-hmm. and... He's telling them, and then the sultan's daughter this, and then she comes here, and she's come to save this, yeah. and da da da, and the, and and you go, oh my god, this is totally, um, this is a myth and legend type, yeah. uh, cross cultural story. He's saying it with enthusiasm, you know, you get the cutaway, don't you, to Ben Affleck looking at him like, oh, he's doing a really great job. <laughs> But also, I love films where there's somebody who saves the day, and if they can do it with a linguistic thing, I love that. <laughs> but also, a great payoff for the fact that he's the key voice of dissent through yeah. this whole process. So, gives him a lovely little arc. Absolutely. I, I tell you what, though, I you know I loved that moment. I'd forgotten about that moment. But also, I watched this film this time without any subtitles. And so I was just enjoying it for what oh, it was. Yeah. It did remind me of uh, C-3PO telling the story of Star Wars to the Ewoks. <laughs> and in terms of problematic depiction of yeah. Iranians, I was like, oh gosh, it's like he's treating them like freaks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can I, with that, um, so I started watching Tetris and didn't realize that there were subtitles. And I thought, oh, they're doing that clever thing where you feel like the person mm. who doesn't understand. And then I went, this, this. Russian scene's gone on a long time. I think I'm probably... Because also, they weren't acting it out. Yeah. So then, luckily, I found the subtitles and went, oh, okay, right, he's threatening. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. You know, so. it's interesting. My students, they love watching stuff with subtitles. Have you... This is this new phenomenon. Oh, no. Wow. And there's... Yeah, so, so okay. the new Gen Z, they all want Wait, subtitles Wait, you mean on. an English language film with English they subtitles? always want subtitles. Well, it's a very always. good literacy exercise, but Jeremy. I, there's, there's some evidence I was, I was reading about the other day that it's because the sound design is so set up for atmos and so oh, when it gets compressed okay. down you know um, <laughs> christopher nolan um <laughs> you can't hear what people are saying well, right. or, 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 do you do you also think it's because now with phones that autoplay videos if you don't have the sound on they always have the subtitles down below yeah true i often watch things in the preview mode yeah. on my phone i don't even have the sound and i just read the subtitles mm-hmm. and watch it it's it's quite interesting but mm. we were watching a video this week where i i put the subtitles on and it's the google um Created uh, ones, yeah. And then the the people speaking, they moved from um to between English and another language. I can't remember what language it was. And so it's just trying to phonetically English read this other language with their other subtitles underneath. Amazing. It's like, sorry, team, we're not getting the no the English subtitles today. We'll just we'll just be okay with using our ears. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting new phenomenon. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. I'm really glad of that because you remember how traditionally. People, I remember being in film festival films, okay, admittedly 10, 20 years ago, and the film starts, and, and you'd have someone behind you go, Oh, is this subtitle? You know, because they didn't realize it. And you think, Yes, it is, and you can jolly well get on with it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, um, can I just say, because 
I thought, yeah, all right, you say Tetris and I'll go, I'll do it. And then, of course, um, and you know me, I like to, uh, this is the English teacher in me with the old connections report. I like to go through and watch the films and find all the things they have in common. So we've got ridiculous 70s haircut and clothes and, or 80s, haven't we established, really? Well, it's, it's interesting because the, the films are located on either end of the 80s, right? right? 80 and 88. Right. Yeah. So so both of them are, are very good in terms mm-hmm. of the production design, although I would say that Argo's production, hair, costuming and everything felt much more naturalistic oh, yeah. and much less sort of, we're in costume. Well, um, did you notice that Tetris, all of the establishing shots are animated? So I wonder if they were able to maybe keep a smaller budget mm, for, for some of those flourishes. True, Wait, true. do you mean Tetris was a smaller budget film? <laughs> <laughs> Although, I mean, there's, there's one shot that always jumps out on Argo. I mean, watching it this time, every time Ben Affleck opens the curtains and you see Tehran with the mountains behind it, it's oh, just right. the fakest looking green <laughs> screen. Oh. <laughs> the zero. So I had read that um, before I watched Tetris, I'd read that it had been likened to the social network in terms oh, right. of its being a, an origin story. Um, although I just think the, the social network is the one of the greatest films ever made yeah. in every regard. And I can watch it ad nauseum um but actually tetris ironically reminded me of air which is Mm. the new ben affleck directed film about the origin (laughs) of the air jordan shoe where once again like tetris you're dealing with a product that we all know really well um so you know where it's going to get to you don't necessarily know whence it came you also have a situation where in air neither of you have seen air yet have you no but i've heard Um, great things it's a good really solid film yeah matt damon oh and interestingly ben affleck is not the lead in it he looks he makes himself look exactly like phil knight the uh, ceo of nike um and and all vanity put to one side for that and he does a really good impersonation of the fellow but matt damon who just looks old and paunchy and tired through the whole film is superb Mm. anyway Interestingly, Matt Damon and Taron Egerton both play characters who believe in something that other people don't. And they have to convince, Mm. give me the money, give me the time, give me the opportunity. I will show you that this hunch will come to something. And then, of course, it does. It becomes, a a, well, in the case of Air, a multi-billion dollar. I think they made $130 billion (sighs) on the first. No, it wouldn't have been that much. They made $130 million dollars from the very first launch of the Air Jordan mm. shoe. Mm. Um, that was like the first print run, if you will. Um, it was like beyond anything they could have ever absolutely. possibly projected. And interestingly, going with a rookie. So going with someone mm. who was not yet an NBA star. So for me, what was interesting, because I know jack all about basketball mm. and the NBA, it was really interesting mm. um, learning about the, I keep saying machinations, but it, that's too harsh a term. But you know what I mean? The... <clears throat> learning about the organism that is the the NBA and how, how that all works, you mm, know. Mm. One thing I would say about air, which actually I realise isn't relevant, but I've started so I'll finish. <laughs> I mean, it's relevant, but it's not relevant to our discussion yeah. here. But you are dealing with real people. Uh, and so Ben Affleck chose not to show Michael Jordan's character front on or really even side on. And when we hear him talk in meetings, it's very low key. We only see him from behind. And um, 
And I feel like there was a longing to actually see who we might think of mm. as real Michael Jordan. But A, you couldn't get real Michael Jordan looking that young now. Uh, and heck yeah, you can. It's called de-aging tech. Yeah, and it looks super weird. Yeah, oh. that's true. But also, I believe that um, Affleck's decision was that, that it, he wanted him to, to... He's too big, too famous to actually plonk mm. in the middle of this this origin story with actors playing all of the, mm. the cast. Mm. But, um, but anyway, you go back to the really fascinating things in mm. air of the development of the shoe and the ordinary Joes who were tasked with coming up with oh, that. because I'm just clicking now. Oh. Ben Affleck directed here. Yes, I'm sorry. Did right. I not say that? No, but I knew that, but I, for, yeah. no, I, don't, I don't know if you did. And so, so I thought for a minute, oh, we should be doing air and Argo. Ah. But actually, air and Tetris go very well right. together in that regard. Yeah. So actually... Mm. If you're going to do a well, thing at the end, we you are. say third film. Spoiler alert, yeah, mine is air. <laughs> bit of a taster for those of you who uh, have yet to join our Patreon. We will be discussing very shortly uh, our our third pairings. Oh, sorry. Pairings? Third pairings doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Third grouping. <laughs> That's right. Our third film. We were... Our trip to King. Yes. Okay. Uh, so Sarah's already given you a taster of hers. There mm. we go. Can I say, though, you're talking about the whole de-aging thing. And I, we were talking just before this about... Yellow Jackets, the television series, you know, and, and being critical of some of the choices they're making whilst also still watching it. Uh, but I think that is an example of just just having different actors. Yeah. Yeah. We can suspend disbelief. It's so much more enjoyable as a human watching another human and not being distracted by, oh, how did that, oh, that, look, that looks good or that doesn't look good. Mm. You know, no matter how good it looks, it pulls you out of the film, mm. you know, unless you're Avatar Way of Water. But like it pulls you yeah. out of the movie. But everyone looks so realistic. I, I, I does. I think so. Yeah. yeah, but they're not real people. I know, but I forgot. Yeah. I just okay. was watching it. Do, do you guys remember Solo, a Star Wars story? Yes. Oh my gosh. And how they recast Han Solo? Yes. Uh, who, who's the actor? Um, I, I like that. Um, uh, what's his face from West Side Story? Right. His um, name begins with A. It's uh, like either Ansem Elgort. Is or it, it's, it's not is Abern- it Ansel El- Abernathy Eberhardt. <laughs> He's the other one. And is, is it Ansel Elgort or is it the it's other the one? It's the one you just said, Sarah. Uh, it is Ansel Elgort. El- no, 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 Elden. Elden. Eldenrick. Eldenrick. Eremreich. No. That's it. Okay. Aaron Reich. That's and it. he's okay. not the guy from West Side Story, but oh, the, they the, have the, the okay. same, they're basically the same person. <laughs> have the same Elden face. Right. Um, but right. anyway, again, Solo's not a great film, but I, I think he's fine as young yeah, Han, Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah. He's totally believable as a, a younger Harrison Ford. Yeah. And I just think it's a pity that that film didn't do so well, and now Disney is just like, oh, we need computer animation to take... Everyone back to exactly how I remember Mark Hamill back in the 80s. Exactly how you remember Carrie Fisher and Peter Cushing. Yeah. And it's just, it's really off. But isn't that also for nostalgia? I think it's because a lot of those people have died mm-hmm. and we want to see them. Because do you remember when Carrie Fisher died just before whichever the, the heck that Jedi. Star Wars yeah. was? And when we saw her on screen, we all felt a little bit choked up. Mm. And she was a she was a construction of the real Carrie Fisher with a little bit of tutoring. No, she'd wasn't filmed she? it all. Yeah. She'd filmed it right. all. Right. So we felt that sense of oh, it's really nice to see her. So mm. I think it's for mm. us. I think it blame us, blame our generation, by which I mean my generation. You I know, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't know. I do agree with you in terms of nostalgia. Yeah. absolutely. But in terms of blame, I think. The buck stops with the people who are concerned with the bucks. Oh, there we go. Mm. That happened. Um, but, you know, that this they know that they can make money with fan service. I think that's the biggest tragedy of the solo film is that mm. I really enjoyed that movie. But all the little fan service oh, moments yeah. were terrible. Yeah. And the, like how, the, he, how he gets his name. Yeah. Yeah. And like C-3PO and R2-D2 yeah. just kind of standing around. And <clears throat> I just think the best parts of that movie were like the train sequence, mm. anything with Woody Harrelson and um, what's her name? Wonderful actor. 
She's far. She's a Daisy lot. Daisy Riley. No, Daisy <laughs> Riley. I'm, I don't even know. Um, I've lost where uh, She's at. from Mission Impossible 2. Um, and, and Rebecca Ferguson. No, and she's in <laughs> Westworld. Uh, British <laughs> Thandie Thandie Newton. Thandie Newton. Yes, her and, and Woody Harrelson together. Those are the best parts of that film. So, yeah, but I agree with you. Just cast a different actor. We we can do it. We can. Like I think about um, Once Upon a Time in America, and they mm. have that sequence where there's the two different the actors. How is this related to Tetris and Argo? Well, it isn't. So I was, just, I was trying to find a connection to bring us back. I was like, oh, there's no actual different ages going on. No. What I will say though, say, though about what you're talking about, Sarah, is that Ben Affleck, you know, if we think about his career with Matt Damon, and we know that they were childhood buddies and mm. had business lunches uh, about their acting careers when they were 15 and 17 or however old they are. Mm. Um, he's, you know, Matt Damon's, I think, you know, had a bit, far better career mm. than Ben Affleck in terms of his acting roles. But Ben Affleck's, I, I think he just plays the cards that are dealt dealt to him. I think he's yeah. usually quite open to being a bit scruffy, uh, Gigi aside. Um, <laughs> oh, you mean looking-wise? Yeah, like he's, oh, he, totally. he throws himself into the role, yeah. doesn't he? And also, he? I think he has um, obviously made a conscious choice to become more of a director. And I really loved Gone Baby Gone, yeah, The too. Town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did awesome love movies. Argo, and I and I really respect Air. And um, there might have been one other. I can't remember. It doesn't matter, because mm-hmm. that's four out of five. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he's done a blooming good job. Mm. Do you know this is the first... Oh, Air is the first time that he um, directed Matt Damon. Oh, right. So isn't that neat? Because they performed together, obviously, in um, Good Will Hunting. In Good Will Hunting. And they wrote together in La Li La La. But this is the first time mm. he directed Matt. And so there's really lovely clips and interviews of him saying, look, I knew he was an amazing actor, but my goodness, working with him was astonishing and he would bring this and da-di-da. And it's just the most adorable... I don't even want to call it a bromance. It's simply... Two childhood friends who just couldn't be better. Mm. Have they ever written a film together again? Or have they either of them written a film? Um, I, I wonder whether... Uh, I mean, Affleck wrote Argo. Oh, yeah. right. <clears throat> I, I'm pretty based sure he did, on, right? Based yeah. on Doodly Whatnot story, mm-hmm. Tony Mender's... Um, his memoirs, and then there was a Wired article as well, I think. That's what kick-started the whole project. I don't oh, know if yeah. Matt Damon is a writer. Right, well, oh, they wrote it together, though, didn't they? They did... Oh wait! What I mean is, I don't know that Matt Damon's written other screenplays. Yeah, right. Yeah. What a what a way to come onto the scene, you know? Like I <laughs> yeah. know they would have done small yeah. roles and things, but to to arrive as actors that have written a script and yeah. then, you know mm-hmm. what a and film. win an Oscar. Boom. Yeah. yeah, and and that all those shots of them broing out with the yeah. Oscars, such yeah. a great image. Yeah. Uh, and then you know they did a movie with Robin Williams and Gus mm-hmm. Van Sant, and mm. uh, I'm getting confused. Is Anna Millie pa- Driver, is Anna Paquin in that, or am I no, getting Mi- that's Forest? Mini Driver, Mini Driver. Mm. Yep, nice. Mm. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoy our podcast, consider signing up to our Patreon. Cinema in Context patrons receive access to exclusive minisodes, opportunities for one-on-one discussions about the films you love, and our extended episode catalogue, including extended content of the episode you're listening to right now. We discussed three third films mm-hmm. that I keep wanting to say pair with, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. third films that we would partner. No, that's that's a duo as well. Third movies. Uh, we talk about our favourite moments and things that we would change in either movie. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash cinema in context. You can listen to Cinema in Context on SoundCloud, Spotify, Radio Public, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode, as well as give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. 
Look out for our next episode in a month's time. And until then, no mai.